Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us, and God is in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet, from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Let's get started with prayer. 
God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for another opportunity to be on the air. We pray, God, that you would just be with us. Uh, go with us. Lead us in the way we should go. Let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, as always, I like to start off with headlines. And uh, I'm going to hit these headlines quick and we'll go forward. And I want to take as much time um, as I can on the topic. And I don't want to waste any time. I'm trying not to go into a rant <laughs> too early. Uh, anyway, so uh, 2014 has been an interesting year. We're at the end of the year. And I tell you, it has been, I mean, it's been a roller coaster uh, from the winter the exceptional winter weather we've had, to the loss of some great men and women, human beings. Um, it's just been an amazing year. And one of the great losses to the church was that of Dr. Miles Monroe and his wife. Of course, you remember last month they passed away uh, in an air crash, airplane crash uh, outside of uh, Grand Bahamas Island. Or, I think that's right. Uh, but they're they're based in Nassau, Bahamas. Uh, but uh, today will be the official uh, memorial service for uh, Dr. Monroe and his his family, his wife. They will be uh, laying in state in their Bahamas Faith Ministries Diplomat Center, and there's I think they'll have a, another official memorial this afternoon in. Um, Bahamas at one of the stadiums there, and the public are all are invited. There'll be special seating, of course, because uh, Dr. Miles Monroe was an international and acclaimed human, not just a pastor, but a humanitarian, a businessman, an entrepreneur, a, a leader, a life coach with all the titles you could think of, author, prolific author, and and whatever you can call. He was. That was positive. He was a positive force in humanity and not just for the Christian faith. And he did a wonderful, lot of wonderful things. But they will be lying in repast and repose today. And there will be an official state funeral tomorrow. And I believe, um, I know one website will be streaming both services, both the uh, memorial service, the public memorial service, and the official state funeral. Uh, the public, again, the public. Memorial services today, uh, and then the official state funeral is tomorrow. And I was understanding uh, some of my sources from Charisma News um, and BCE, BCCN News uh, Daily are both reporting. Uh, CC Winans will be singing. She'll be representing and she'll be singing. Um, and some other well-known personalities will be addressing the, the group. Now, the good thing is Dr. Monroe left a great legacy. If you saw uh, just a few days after uh, after the news, his son, uh, Miles Monroe Jr., got up and spoke with confidence about uh, the family and the, and the ministry, and they seem to do well. And the ministry is continuing on. The board of directors or uh, the leaders for the Bahamas, Bahamas Faith Ministries have uh, announced that they will have a new pastor uh, in the person of David Burroughs, who, uh, from what I understand, is a renowned youth minister in the Bahamas and internationally, and he will be taking the reins 
uh, leadership uh, following Dr. Munro. I don't, you know, I don't know how he's going to do that. It's a great task, you know, major shoes to fill. But uh, uh, those of you who can, will continue to pray for uh, the Monroe family, his children, his son and daughter, uh, the children of his. Uh, I think that was his his niece and nephew, uh, nieces. Uh, their father, uh, their parents passed away. And some staff members, a lot of, yeah, I think it was nine or ten people passed away. So pray, continue to pray for those families. It's a very, very difficult time. But um, it will be will be well. So, uh, also in news, um, this has been a, I, I, this has been an interesting year for for Hollywood. If you've been paying attention, they've released a lot of faith influenced. I don't like to say faith based because they're not faith based. Well, yeah, I guess you could say faith based or Bible influenced movies. Think about Noah uh, <laughs> and the. I don't even know how to describe Noah. I went to see it. I enjoyed it because it was just crazy. <laughs> But you know, those guys put their imagination to work, and it you know it flopped as far as I think it cost like a hundred and twenty five million dollars to make that movie, and of course, a lot of Christians and all the you know a lot of believers went out to see it uh Russell Crowe, I like Russell Crowe as an actor, but you know <laughs> it was just it was just too unbelievable, you know anyway. Uh, and then you had God's Not Dead um, that went into movie theaters. And I think uh, there was another movie, I'm in Love with a Church Girl. I don't know if that came out this year or last year. Uh, but it had, um, what's it do? Uh, oh, man, the rapper guy. Can't even think of his name. Uh, anyway, so a lot of faith-based movies were out this year. And probably something that I missed. Um but anyway, it was a lot, quite a few, that made it into mainstream theaters. And I'm not talking about those little uh, corny Christian movies, you know, the, the corny ones. I'm talking about real, um, real well-produced, put-together movies. Well, the next one that's due out later this month, of course, is Exodus, uh, Gods and King. Exodus, I've seen the previews, and I already know. <laughs> I want to see it just because, you know, it's a Bible-based movie, but it's it's crazy. It's just from I like the fact that Christian Bale plays Moses. It gives Moses that rough, tough edge uh, because Moses was, even though he was, a, you know, he was the deliverer. He let my people go. He was also a warrior. You know, he had, he was, had, trained those who he led out of Egypt. He trained them how to battle. They fought wars. He was a leader. You know, he was he was a, he was a good leader. So I like that they cast him as that tough, tough guy, you know, without the long beard and the, all that stuff. But they're, they, they're already finding some opposition uh, from uh, monotheistic religious uh, faith leaders. Uh, and, you know, the Muslims, of course, Christians and Jews. And the reason they're finding this issue is because uh, of how they cast the character of God. Uh, God is not some, in this movie, God is not a voice that you hear. 
God is literally cast as an 11-year-old boy. And it's quite a temperamental 11-year-old boy from uh, from the reviews that I've seen and read and a little trailer or something that depicts him. Um, this comes from Charis- Charisma News today. Uh, the portrayal of Moses is kind of, you know, like I say, he's, he's a rough, tough guy, kind of on the schizophrenic side, you know. <laughs> the way he hears from God is more creepy than, well... You'll have to see it. I'm going to have to see it too. But from 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 the previews, it's kind of creepy. But the problem some evangelicals are having is the fact that the portrayal of God as a willful, angry, and petulant child is a deal breaker. Um, the matter of fact, it it actually under un it just undercuts the idea of. Scripture, you know, how God is portrayed in Scripture, the narratives of God. Of course, we see God as, you know, if you read the Old Testament, he, you know, the way he comes across sometimes. But as a child who's just, uh, the way it, the way it is, is, he's put there, you know, portrayed, is kind of creepy. And um, uh, the article quotes uh, one of the, uh, I don't know, it's a guy named Stone. Um, can't think of his name. Anyway, the article goes on to say that uh, this portrayal and image of God to be deeply incompatible, incompatible with Scripture and their deeply held religious beliefs. This is talking about the evangelicals and others um, who 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 are uh, reviewing this movie. And it's going to be interesting to see that portrayal of God. And the author goes on to say that uh, the filmmakers have a goal other than maximizing the film's appeal and monetary success, success, it's uh, they're saying that the decision to cast this kid, this 11-year-old boy, as God, in and of itself, is likely to have an impact on uh, the movie's overall box office returns. Just like they did with Noah, when they tried to make Noah more than what it was, you know, they added to and beefed it up. To make it a blockbuster and it was a flop, there's the same kind of fear that they're going to have with this movie. By and, and, and my biggest thing is, you know, you got Egyptians as white folk. That I'm just going to leave that by itself, you know, kind of. <laughs> there is no and same thing with Moses, you know. There's this type and the um, the director went on record and um, not the director, um, one of the producers went on record as saying. That it does not matter what the race were. It does that wasn't important to him. It didn't matter. They weren't trying to be accurate as far as nationality, ethnicity. There's not a lot of blacks in the movie, and he wasn't. He, he was intentional in doing that. He doesn't apologize for that. Um, and why should it? They didn't do it in the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Uh, back in the twenties, when Cecil DeMille made it, nor did they do it when uh, uh, the other, when they did the remake in the in the fifties with uh, what the dude named uh, the one that we watch every year at Easter. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Uh, but if you want to go spend your money to see uh, Exodus, it comes out next week, and uh, uh, I think I have the date right next week, uh, next Friday. I believe. If not, it's it's this month sometime. 
I'm going to go see it just because, like, like I did. I went to see uh, Noah just for – I knew it wasn't going to be uh, scriptural, and I know this isn't going to be scriptural. I know they have taken a lot of liberty. I just want to see how it's going to be. I want to see how tough Moses is. That's just me. Uh, anyway, so uh, those are the headlines that I have. And um, I, I think there's going to be, uh, again, pray for the Monroe family as they uh, celebrate the life of Dr. Miles Monroe today. And uh, the family, uh, his the others who they yeah. will be burying. And uh, go see the movie. I guess. <laughs> that's that's about it. Uh, we'll cut in real quick. I have someone very special on the line that I want to I asked to bring in because there's a very special, there's a uh, wonderful thing that she's doing, uh, both in the community and uh, in the church. And that's the Apostle uh, Bishop Adrian, Apostolic Bishop Adrian Williams, who's the pastor, uh, United Nations. I think I said that right. United Nations Worship Center, and also the United Nations uh, Fellowship International. And if I got that wrong, Bishop, I apologize. <laughs> but uh, I got Bishop on because uh, she's having a very special event. Uh, well, not special, but she's having an event. I think it was uh, worth broadcasting on my show. And I invited her on to share a little bit more about her upcoming School of the Prophets, too. And also she does some... Uh, Outreach, and I wanted to talk about that too because she has a critical need uh, here in the community. And I think some of my listeners, I think some of you all will be able to help her and uh, also will benefit from the ministry. So, uh, Bishop, are you there? Yes, I'm here. All right, good morning to you. Thank you again for being on the show. Uh, Now, uh, tell us about uh, the event that you're having, uh, School of Prophets. Uh, Go into details about that. Okay. Uh, Good morning, Pastor Neal, and I first want to thank you for allowing me the opportunity uh, just to come on and briefly share. I don't uh, by any means take that lightly. Um, Our our School of the Prophets session is a workshop. It's actually a workshop that I do periodically um, throughout the year, and the workshop is specifically for those who are uh, interested in prophetic ministry or uh, prophetic operations. The session is not restricted to people who believe that they are prophets or prophetic types. It's open to all of those who actually have a desire to gain maybe a greater understanding concerning prophets, what they do, how they operate, because somehow, some way, even if you're not a prophet, if you're in the body of Christ, if you're in the church, their operations will affect you somehow. And so we don't always have people who are just prophets who attend some people just want to get a, a greater understanding of prophetic ministry, and that's what this workshop is is all about. Okay, and I can tell you from experience, it is a wonderful workshop. I learned so much. <laughs> I learned uh, you're a wonderful teacher. You did, you know, didn't waste our time, and, and <laughs> it was very insightful. <laughs> now, for those who may be interested in, in coming, I know. Uh, uh, can you give the date, time, and yes. all uh, any other information that is necessary for them to participate? Yes, absolutely. Our next workshop is actually scheduled for um, Saturday, next Saturday, December the 13th, uh, from 9.30 a.m. to 3.30 uh, p.m., 
and it's actually going to be held there at United Nations International Worship Center, which is located at 2420 Terry Road um, in Jackson. We're right there at the um, Jackson Square Promenade, right across from A1 Transmissions and Global Glass. We'll be there, uh, and, and during those sessions or during that particular day, there'll be uh, several subject matters that we'll cover um, we'll cover, of course, about who the prophet is, prophetic accuracy, how how do I function in a non-prophetic church, uh, the apostle and the prophet, how do they work together, worship in the prophetic dreams, vision, and several other things that will be covered during that time. Now, there is a registration fee for the particular workshop, and the registration fee is $50, but that does include all of your class material. We give you a, a binder with uh, class material on the subjects that we're discussing. That includes all of the sessions that entire day. That also includes your lunch for today. We'll have lunch and refreshments throughout the day. And it also covers, uh, once we complete the workshop, I do issue a certificate of workshop completion for that particular workshop. And so uh, all of that is included in the, the $50 registration fee. Uh, we are still having uh, taking registrations right now. Uh, the registrations are first come, first serve basis. Um, the, the CD capacity is, is kind of small, but we will make uh, do for anyone who we won't turn anyone away. Put it like that: if anyone wants to come, we will work them in. And now we are working on registrations presently. So if anyone is interested, they can uh, either visit the website at uh, Prophetic Mentoring Class dot eventbrite dot com uh or either they can email uh United Nations Worship Center at gmail dot com for more uh details or if they're on Facebook or whatever they can look us up and we can give them some information that way as well. All right. Now you're also very involved in the community and you have a specific outreach ministry. Uh share with us about the outreach ministry and how they can help you because uh I saw earlier on your Facebook about an immediate need and I, I I'm letting you know I wanna uh uh help but I'll let you tell you I'll let you put the plug in there for that and we'll go from there. Amen. Uh greater is he is our outreach ministry that is, um, of course, umbrellaed under United Nations International Worship Center. And what we do through Greater is He is that we do uh, serve the community by providing um, needed items to the community free of charge to those who may be experiencing hardships or maybe just, you know, a less fortunate, not able to get certain items. And we do, um, actually the ministry started back in, in July 22nd of 2012, so We've been out there for a little bit, and um, we provide, uh, what we do is we, we provide clothing, free clothing uh, to the community for those who may need it. We have just now begun to establish our food pantry, and also throughout the year we also do what we call Operation Backpack. Uh, we take up school supplies, and, and we don't do it just during the school term. We actually stay, take up school supplies all during the year so that if there's students during the year, uh, who need school supplies, we try to help with that as much as we are able. Um, we do have a clothing giveaway that is held every last Saturday of the month from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., and everything that we have is absolutely free. Uh, we The donations that we get in are usually either gently used clothing and shoes or they're new. Uh, we always tell people that we want to, we don't want to give anybody anything that we wouldn't wear ourselves. 
And so we make sure that we sort through the clothing, clothing, get the best items, and we give it to those who are in need. Uh, right now there is an immediate need because we just had a giveaway on this past Saturday and gave away uh, the majority of what we had. But we do have a young man who uh, actually just walked in off of the street when we were in prayer last night, a homeless, didn't have anything, uh, recently just came out of prison, just needed some help. And so we were able to get, uh, give him some food on last night, and uh, he did have a cold. We gave him some, some cold medications and things like that to kind of help him out. But he needed clothing, and we did not have any of the sizes that he needed at the moment. And so uh, we are asking anybody who has any men's clothing or who maybe wears a you know, pants, size 32, large shirts. Uh, he's a, a small frame fellow, um, so he wears a size 6 shoe. So if anybody is willing to donate those items, um, even new underwear or gently used socks uh, or new socks, that would benefit him as well. Um, if you have it, we ask that you do get in touch with us because we want to get it to him as quickly as we are able. All right. And that's just, I, I'm glad that you have that going on, and I'm glad you were able to share. Uh, my listener audience, you, you know, if you're willing to contribute in any way, it would be greatly appreciated. Yesterday was National Day of Giving, or something to the nature of Giving Day. Uh, uh, but I know a lot of people were giving to various charities, and, you know, people aren't giving to the churches much but uh, because they don't see the church doing anything. But this is a church right. that is doing this is a church that is actually doing something, and uh, you know I've been able to share in some some ways, and uh, I I see what she's doing. She's a small church, but a small church with a big heart, and I just commend you, Bishop, for doing what you do, and uh, I I know you're doing as much as you can with as little as you can, but you know you're going to be blessed for it. You you already know that. <laughs> I, I, already. I, I, I we we do what we do, of course, specifically for God. And we love his people, and, and we're grateful. We remain hopeful that God will continue to provide what we need. And if I'm able, uh, Pastor Neil, I want to quickly also say that beginning in 2015, we will be uh, uh, facilitating free life skill classes for those uh, in the community, uh, of course, parenting, budgeting, uh, different things of that nature that they may need because we don't want to just uh, give and not equip them with things to bring them out of their hardship. And so in 2015, just kind of keep a, an eye out because we will be doing some free life skill classes uh, in 15 as well. Awesome. That's what I'm talking about. All right. This has been Bishop Adrian Williams, who's the pastor of United Nations uh, uh, Church here in Jackson, Mississippi, and just sharing some of the things that she's doing with the School of Prophets workshop. And like I said, I do plan to attend that. I was at the last when I had a wonderful time, learned a lot, and also with the outreach that she does with clothing, book bags, and food and everything. And if you're in the Jackson Metro area, even if you're not in this area immediately but you're listening within this, you know, all over the world, wherever you are, you have an opportunity to share in this great work, this great labor of the Lord with Bishop Williams. Thank you, Bishop, again. I appreciate you for just a short time uh, sharing. And I pray the ministry is blessed. Thank you, uh, Pastor Neil. We do appreciate it. No problem. You have a wonderful day. God bless you. All right. We're going to take a quick break, and uh, 
come back and get into our topic for the day, moving from nostalgic ministry to present ministry. Are you serving the present age? That's what we want to know. Uh, if not, how can you? Are you living in the past, trying to do ministry in the present? Uh, boy, that was a mouthful right there. But we're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. <laughs> social networking as much as you identity thieves they can find your personal information and do some serious damage like your birthday or your mother's maiden name you need a new friend lifelock we scour billions of data points every day and if we discover that any of your personal information is misused lifelock is there call us at 1-800-LIFELOCK or go to lifelock.com today It's our favorite, yours and mine, because we found it together on a walk, 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 love to walk, a long walk, a a walk with you, a walk I smelled squirrels on, but I stayed by your side because I could tell, could feel that you had a bad day and me being bad wouldn't make it any better. But being there was already helping a little anyway. And then we found that wonderful thing waiting there, waiting for you and me. And you smiled and threw it. And I decided right when I picked it up, I would never, ever leave it anywhere. Ever. Because that wonderful, bouncy, roll-around thing had made you play. And that had made you smile. Put more play in your day. Vaniful. Play. It's good for you. If you love sweet treats like cakes and pies, then you ought to check out Shima's Gourmet Sweets. Only Tracer Earl bakes up some of the finest crafts this side of heaven. And because it is holiday season, you want to get your grub, sweet grub, sweet, sweet, sweet grub on, then you need to check them out. They get everything. I mean, they do apples, gourmet apples, candied apples, caramel apples, you name it. They got that down. Uh, everybody like the sweet chocolate strawberries. They got that cakes. Popcorn balls, designer cakes for any occasion, cupcakes, those little pop cake thing, lollipop, all of that stuff. They got it. Uh, I mean, anything that you want, they got it. You ought to check them out. Uh, you can place your order, and they're going to give it delivered to you. They bring it to you, and they do it all for such a low price. 
That's Shima's Gourmet Sweets. Give them a call, 601-940-7897. I guarantee you it would be the best you ever had. And I'm proud to say that they are one of the uh, underwriters and sponsors for Zero Today's show. So check them out, Z- that's Shima's Gourmet Sweets. Treats for every occasion. All right, welcome back to Zero Today. Again, I'm your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Trying to tell it like it is. I know that you need to know. Listen, friends, it's the holiday season. It's one of the best seasons. People love to get out of the shop. But it's also one of the scariest seasons because there's always that possibility of identity theft. And I pray that I, I've had experience with that, and it's nothing good. And I want to make sure that you're protected so that you don't get, uh, you know, folk don't steal money. You know, you're not be able to buy the gift. So I advise you to go with LifeLock. Check them out. You know, they got give you three layers of protection. I use it personally, and it's worked for me. I think you should be able to use it. Uh, you should go to it, check them out. Go to LifeLock.com today and see what they have. I mean, you can get stuff as low as 10 bucks a month. Uh, you want to do that. You simply go in, you know, go check out their website today. Find out all that they have, different projects they have. You know, they they – they check your credit score. They they give you all kinds of stuff. And, you know, what the bank can't do, they can do for you. So it's lifelike.com. Ah, you really need something to get, get that good protection, especially now during this Christmas season. All right. So um, last segment of the show. Friends. There's nothing as soothing as having a sweet aroma penetrate all of your senses. Peacock, the newest candle fragrance by Heatcentric, is that aroma. Peacock is a vegan hand-poured candle that fills the room with a soothing aroma that everyone is guaranteed to enjoy. Peacock by Heatcentric is the fragrance developed by Lady Jocelyn Sanders that's designed to reflect the glory in everyday life. I guarantee you will not disappoint it when you order your candle today from Heatcentric. I have one at home and in my office, and I tell you, it's so good. It helps me relax at home, and it helps me concentrate and stay on task in the office. You need to order yours today by visiting LadySanders.com, and while they also pick up a copy of her book, The Encounter, I'm telling you, you will love both. Peacock by Heatcentric, reflecting the glory in everyday life. All right, we're back. Uh, I tell you, live radio is just something else. We lost our connection, and uh, so <laughs> it's weird like that. But anyway, we're carrying on. That's what's one of the one of the things when you're doing online radio. <laughs> Be prepared for just about anything. So, in this hour, we're going to talk about. There's a hymn 
that I grew up singing and a lot of people know. And the first stanza of the hymn goes, A charge to keep I have, a God to glorify, a never-dying soul to save, and fitted for the sky. And then the second verse of the hymn says these words, To serve the present age, my calling to fulfill, O may it all my powers engage to do my master's will. My question is, are we living in a church? Uh, are we in a church that is caught in the past, trying to serve the present, and hoping for the future? Or are we just in a church that's too afraid, that's, they're, they're, they're afraid of both their past and the present, and especially the future? Those are the questions I ask because as I look regarding the Ferguson uh, thing and I called it nostalgic tensions and and I, I was really direct intentionally. My my observation is and this is this. I think the problem that we're having as black folk is that we're trying to relive something from the past now in the present. That's why young people are have this great sense of angst, this great disconnect because uh because of the fact that they have no identity. They have no real sense of identity. So they're trying to borrow from from his, history, you know. They're trying to recreate the movements, the marches of the past to give them a sense of empowerment for the present. And it, it's, it's crazy because it's not working. It's backfiring. It's creating more trauma. It's creating more diffusion. It's creating more dissonance. A greater dissonance, as a matter of fact, than it was before. Uh, the Church of the Civil Rights Age, they didn't have, they created the identity. They had a, they had an identity of social justice back that they knew in the present moment they were being oppressed. Then they were able to draw from the connection of the past, you know, their ancestors. They, most of them, their grandparents grew up, in, you know, post just after slavery. Most of them, you know, grandparents or great-grandparents were former slaves. In the case of my own family, my great-great-grandfather, well, he wasn't a slave. Well, my, my maternal great-great-grandfather was not a slave. He was white. Uh, my family didn't, it's, it, it, part of it didn't ex, ex, experience that. Uh, but, however, you know, a lot of them, a lot of them, drew from that nostalgia of the past in the 50s and 60s, drew from the fact that they saw that they had their own and their own, you know, they had their own businesses, they had their own schools, and yet they weren't being integrated fully into the American system. And they fought to be integrated into the American system, the American dream. Here it is now, 50, 60 years later, we have been integrated. It fully, not fully, but we've been integrated into the American system, and yet uh, there's a greater sense of disconnect among. And I, there's a study um, not long ago that was uh, produced, and I'm trying to find it, trying to find the uh, information that talked about. Um, it being a disconnect between young people and their their um, parents' faith, in that the parents' faith, uh, most of the students had the faith. You know, they went to church because their parents made them go to church, and then by the time they were eighteen, 
they left the church. And that is the case most times. And, and, and you probably know this. Most of y'all folks know this. You probably did it yourself. Is that you went to church because you had to go to church. And once you got old enough to get out your mom or daddy's house, you stopped going. And most times, some people never went back. But then there are a few of those who stay in the church, and they stay in the church largely because they're trying to find an identity, and they create that becomes part of their identity. You know, going to church becomes a part of their identity. You know, for you've look, you've paid attention to a lot of uh, successful black people, they will mention particular singers, R&B singers. They'll say, "I started singing in the church," and yet. They use their talents not in the church, but in the secular world. And things like that throw off everybody else, throw off people because they're like, okay, uh, what's the point? If you, you know, you're going to say you sang in the church, uh, but you're, you're not doing it now. And then there's the, the older, the older people in the church long for that reconnection back to the church. Uh, they long they long to to um to have that old time church you know and i was trying to i had uh downloaded a song old time religion i was trying to play it but the clip wouldn't play <laughs> but you know there's that nostalgia i pastor an intergenerational intergenerational church and one of the things i hear a lot from my older members i hear this they talk about how the church used to be they tell I mean when I first came they said, uh, Reverend Neil, we used to take a van or busload of children to our Congress, Christian Education Congress. We used to have the church packed out. We you know, we used to do this, we used to they do that. And we used to have a thriving class system. We used to used to used to but all those members that were doing that are dead. And uh even the ones who are now in their 70s and 80s, you know, uh, they've taken up those positions. They've taken up those things that the the older people did. And yet now, you know, and I'm not speaking specifically for my church, those child, their children, their children are moving away. They're not or leaving the connection, you know, their their familiar church, the, the church of their family. They're leaving. They're joining Churches that are non-denominational, they're new and springing up. You know, the average church now is about five years old. Okay, that's the average age of, of new churches. And churches like mine that are mainline Protestant are dying out. But they're trying to live on through the nostalgia of the church that they had, you know, how it used to be. And I think about, um, I think about, the revival movements that happened in the 20th, in the, in the 18th century, 19th century, and the 20th century. We haven't had a revival movement in the 21st century, not an authentic one. There have been some fabrications, you know, a lot of fabrications, but not any authentic uh, movements, revival movements. But you had the Great Awakening here in the Americas where you had Jonathan Edwards preaching and then the Second Great Awakening with uh, George Wetfield and then in the 20th century, you had the healing revivals like Oral Roberts and Billy Graham with the Crusades and things of that nature. And and people saw that and and they they grew it and 
today a lot of people are trying to recreate that and it's not working. The question I have is um why are why is it not working? Why are we not able to recreate uh those movements? If God moved like that, if we believe God moved like that in the 1700s, in the 1800s, and in the 1900s, why can't God move like that now in 2000? I think it's partially us. I think, honestly, we are just afraid. I don't think we have the the um, the guts to confront the real issues that face the church today. And I, I tell you the truth, uh, a lot of pastors just don't want to deal with it. A lot of members don't want to deal, you know, how do we minister in this present age when we're disconnected from the present age? For example, the black church, the black church is really disconnected because we're at odds against some of our own views, you know. We you let some people tell it we're behind. We're 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 a day late and dollar short. When it comes to matters of contemporary issues, uh, you think about abortion, you think about uh, same-sex attraction and marriage, and the black church was so silent on it because we just shut it out. We acted like it wasn't fair, and now that it's coming out full force, we don't, we are not equipped to, you know, to to deal with it, to to speak to it. We're not equipped to it unless we're speaking to it like. Uh, Elder A.C. <laughs> Carter did last a uh, couple of weeks ago at the um, Kojic, at the Church of God in Christ Holy Convocation when he spoke to it, called them sissies, and, and then his presiding bishop Blake had to come and apologize, and he's coming back calling him out, saying he's a coward. So I mean, that's that's how we are. You know, we're not really we're living in this age, and, and let me go back to like last going back to um. Elder Carter's remarks. Twenty years ago, what he said would have been, you know, nobody would have made anything of it. Uh, there have always been homosexual men in the black church, leading the choirs, playing the instruments, preaching in the pulpits. We, uh, but no one would directly challenge them. You know, there always been black preachers or whoremongers. No one adulterers. No one would directly challenge it, but now, uh, as you know, we have the means of exposing this 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 sickness in the church, and the means of exposing the sickness in the church is creating um, antagonistic uh, distance to where people are willing to retreat to the good old days. I remember when like this stuff didn't happen. They act like, you know, people weren't having premarital sex or adultery 50 years ago. We know, not to discredit what Dr. King did, but we know Dr. King was an adulterer. We know that one of the leaders of the Washington March, the March on Washington in 1963 was homosexual. And he walked hand in hand with Dr. King, and Dr. King didn't seem to have a problem with it. If he did, he didn't say anything. We know that a lot of the great church movements in the black church, uh, we we now we know as revelation has come about it, but we choose to kind of 
go to regress to that those moments instead of being empowered to engage the present age. Now, how do we engage the present age? That's a good question because we want to be relevant without being uh, – oh, well, how can I put it? We want to be relevant. We want to be tolerant without being exclusive. What do I mean by exclusive? Well, we want to be able to say all are welcome. We want to be able to say all are loved by Christ, but we don't want to just – out, you know, just say, all right, come as, you know, just, just here, be you, act like you don't sin. We need to be relevant in saying, okay, we acknowledge the issues of the day that are important. We know that there's, there are people who are having abortions, their children, uh, sons and daughters are having abortions. We need to educate and empower them instead of just, you know, giving them money to go and act like it didn't happen. We know that we have persons who are same gender loving people in our congregations. As pastors, we don't need to rail against them and tell them that they're going to hell. But we need to be informed and, and rightly divide scripture so they can feel sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit if that is the case. You know, we don't need to be the Holy Spirit. We need to let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. What I mean by that? I mean if we rightly divide the word of God, if we preach as we should, the love of God will go forth to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, not the conviction of the preacher, not the conviction of a set of beliefs, doctrine, or dogma, but the conviction of the Holy Spirit will bring about the change. Right. When we do things like that, what we'll come to discover is that people will be more willing to accept our ministry, accept the fact that we're coming from a place of love and not ignorance or bias. Okay. Now, the other thing is, as we see the unraveling of the social world, we don't want to escape escape back to the church world because that's that's what a lot of people did um, during, particularly for those who were Pentecostal during the early 20th century, as the Pentecostal movement grew. Uh, Bishop Mason and Church of God in Christ and other Pentecostal assembly, apostolic assemblies, assemblies as they grew, people used that as a means of escaping their reality, their present reality. They went to church. They had that's why they were at church today. That's why they had something going on every day. That's why they were at church uh, all you know all day Sunday, all day all night Tuesday night, all night Wednesday night, all night Friday night. Because they used it as a way of escaping their condition, their present reality. And today that has that that has changed. We're not using the church to escape our present reality. We're uh, there are various means of doing it. People turn to addictions, um, you know, habits, drugs, sex, uh, television, <laughs> reality television. Others use you know. Other things, people, they become codependent, and things of that nature. So there's still a need to escape, but they're they're not using the church to escape anymore. Uh, the people are not turning to the church, uh, to the pastor for everything. Like it used to be 50 years ago, the pastor was everything. The pastor was, you know, the court advisor. The pastor was the juvenile officer. The pastor was the, the uh, after-school teacher. You know, the pastor, the role of the pastor was a great role. That role has diminished. 
as pastors become more educated, as pastors become more professional, and as their members become the same, you know, they grow, they have less expectation and less reliance on the pastor. Even more so, the church, which was the center of community in the black uh, in the black community, its role has diminished. So people now, because there's United Way, there are many other charitable organizations. So people don't turn to the church as much. You know, I remember growing up, you know, having a food pantry. That was it. You know, you had food, you give your food away. Well, the church is no longer doing that. A lot of them are not even able to do that. They're, they're financially, they're not able. A lot of these churches now just, you know, they're collecting tithes to keep the light bills on to pay the pastor. That's basically what they're doing. Or they're building new buildings to prove that they, you know, can do it. Stroke the pastor's ego or, you know, the people's ego. And, and you know, the people see the pastor doing well and going forward, traveling all the country, you know, whatever, writing books. And they feel like, you know, they get proud. The reality is they're putting the trust in the pastor and trying to keep up an identity from the past. You know, in our in our faith communion, the average church age is about about eighty five years. You know, we have churches that's as much as one hundred fifty years old, consistent. You know, continually in operation, and um, there 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 are churches that are very few AME churches are young. I don't know of a lot of young AME churches. By young, I mean fifty years or younger. Most of them have been around. For decades, and uh, you know they're proud of their tradition, and they are unwilling to change to affect their community. They just stay the same. While uh, you have younger preachers who are ambitious, and you know they're going out, they're starting these new things and creating their own identity, building churches around their ministry and their ministry popularity. So the nostalgia of the past isn't there for them. They don't have to connect, you know. Many of them, they don't have a a a, a, a come to church moment, a come to Jesus moment. They, you know, they have. Uh, I, how can I put it? Uh, well, let me move on. Yeah. Um, what I'm saying is, is uh, we miss, we are in danger of missing out on serious ministry opportunities right now in the present, because we're trying to trying to reconnect with the past. Reconnect with some kind of identity, that, and that the identity in itself is really a fallacy. It's not true. You know, we created it. We used it as a crutch, an escapism, as a mechanism of escape. And to go back to that shows a sign of weakness on the church. It shows that the people are weak. It shows that the pastor is weak. And we're not able to engage the present world. This, the challenge I have for us today, we be, need to be able to engage the present world. They need to hear that prophetic voice of the church. They need to hear the blessed assurance that the love of God is real, that the wrath of God is real. And they need to hear it from an authentic place, not a place from the past. They don't need to hear it from... I heard somebody say, I read somewhere, 
They don't need to hear it that way. They need to hear it from an experiential point perspective. From I know that my Redeemer lives. That's what Job writes. And in the other day he should come. I know. That means that I am a, I, I'm aware in this present moment of what it is. And when we live in the present age, we can serve the present age. Now, living in the present age does not mean partaking of the present age's Ages indulgences. We don't have to do. We could we could live aside from outside of the world. We could we could be able to do that and still in power. But we need to be relevant. And you know, I, I try to be relevant. I try I try to be transparent and I try uh I, I got the old soul. I like how the old I like the way it used to be. I like I like the way old church was, but at the same time I realize sometimes Old stuff just don't work for the young people, and I'm, you know, I'm not trying to make a church for the young people because sometimes young people don't. But anyway, it's been a joy. I, I, I've run out of time. I got to get out of here. I appreciate your patience in the midst of this technical difficulties we had today. But as always, we invite you to continue listening. And remember, you can go to uh, Zero the Day on um, Blog Talk Radio and listen to any archive. Show you can download the podcast on iTunes. You can go to the website Lorenzo T. Neal and listen. I really do appreciate your support. You can support this ministry, this outreach. Anything you give is welcome. So we appreciate you. Uh, tune in next week. We hope the Lord will have another show for us. But till then, this is Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and I'm out of here. And happy first Wednesday to everybody. Have a great, have a great day. This is Pastor Lorenzo Neal. I'm out. Blessings.